Welcome to We Have This Hope. My name is Emily Curzon. This is a podcast about the study of scripture, the art of remembering, and the practice of telling. On the show, we'll explore the ways God calls his people to remember by studying scripture together, and we'll hear individual stories of hope anchored in the beautiful and ancient practice of remembering. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, friends. Welcome to season two of We Have This Hope. I truly can't think of a more delightful way to kick off this fall than by sharing my conversation with author and fellow podcaster Kayla Craig. I humbly (laughs) asked Kayla to remember and tell her story as soon as I saw that she was releasing a new book. Her work, if you don't know about it, has profoundly encouraged me as a parent, and it's deepened my appreciation for liturgies and breath prayers. Her latest work, Every Season Sacred, Reflections, Prayers, and Invitations to Nourish Your Soul and Nurture Your Family Throughout the Year, is available right now. I got a sneak peek of it, and it's just so lovely. Like, it's literally beautiful inside and out. Like you can put it on your coffee table and you can also use it. It's a resource that you can pick up with your family throughout the seasons. So if you don't know Kayla, I want to tell you a little bit about her and then we'll head into our conversation. Kayla is a former journalist who brings deep curiosity and care to her writing. She's the author of two books, Every Season Sacred and To Light Their Way, which I have both and they're just wonderful. With a poetic and a prophetic voice, she created the popular Liturgies for Parents Instagram account, which you may have seen, and Christianity Today named an essential parenting resource. She also hosts a podcast called Liturgies for Parents. Kayla has nuanced and accessible reflections, essays, prayers are featured in her various books and devotionals and Bible study. She lives, this is so cool, and she's going to talk about it in the episode. She lives in a 115-year-old former convent in her Iowa hometown, where she hopes to create spaces of welcome alongside her four kids, two dogs, and pastor husband, Johnny. Today's Remembering Interview is with someone that I've been excited to meet for a long time. Sometime last year, I think it was, I stumbled upon the Instagram account Liturgies for Parents, and I was so moved that I kept talking to people about it. And then soon after, I ordered this book called To Light Their Way, which is a collection of liturgies specifically for parents. And every time I would repost something from the book, I would get people messaging me, what is this book? I need this book. Well, guess what? The book and the account have an author, and her name is Kayla Craig, and she is with me today on the podcast. Kayla, welcome to We Have This Hope. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm looking forward to our chat today. As I said, every time I reposted it, people would comment, but also what happened is that you would heart things or you'd say thank you Emily and truly it was just those like subtle kind responses that gave me the courage to ask you to do this so it really means a lot <laughs> Start with, that. Would well, you- like I love connecting with 
with readers, you know, like I'm like, these are real people. I'm a real person. I love that part, like the social part of Instagram. Like I'm not just there to to post things into the void. I want to know the people who are connecting and reading. So I'm really excited to be here today. I'm so glad you asked me. Thanks for saying yes. So, okay, Kayla, will you just tell us who you are and who you do life with regularly? So my name is Kayla Craig. My background is in journalism, but now I write from home. And like you said, I have a book called To Light Their Way, which is a collection of prayers and liturgies that kind of came out of my own need as a parent. I have four kids. They range in age from seven to 12. We're about to have a birthday, so that's all about to change. (laughs) My husband is Johnny. He is a pastor. We moved back to our hometown that we met in and grew up in a couple years ago. During the pandemic, I feel like 2020 just really illuminated a lot for a lot of us about what the deepest needs of our families are, the core values that we want our families to have. And our hometown is actually pretty diverse, and we knew that was a core value to our family. Um, And we found this beautiful old historic house that is a former convent, and our house is like a character in our lives (laughs) a very needy character that um, takes a lot of money and time but we love it it's it's really um beautiful we love our neighbors and our neighborhood and putting down roots somewhere and it's like a full circle thing because the church that we got married in and the church that I attended as a child is now the church that my husband is pastoring so it's it's really special yeah that's so cool yeah. Okay, how long ago was it a con- an active convent? Is this like recently uh, or was it vacant for a while? No, so it's it's lived a lot of lives. At first it was like a, a house that a railroad baron built and lived okay. in for a long time. But then it got donated to a Catholic school in town. And that was in like the 50s and 60s and maybe early 70s. And so the teachers that taught at the school all lived in this house. And it was a convent for the Sisters of Mercy. And what was really cool is I was able to track down one of the living sisters. And she doesn't live that far away from us. And she came to our house and walked through the house with us and told us, so many beautiful histories and yeah it was a delight so yeah that is so cool yeah okay well today we're gonna talk a little bit about Kayla has a new book coming out called Every Season Sacred Reflections Prayers and Invitations to Nourish Your Soul and Nurture Your Family Throughout the Year um I've gotten to read a little bit of it before this episode is being published and it's just beautiful And I want to chat about that. But because this podcast is about remembering and looking back, I've asked Kayla if she would share a little bit of her story. If she'd take us back to before liturgies for parents, before publishing, kids, adoption, and remember and tell how God has led her to this point. Mm. Gosh, I love that. And you know what has been so special and unexpected as I was writing Every Season Sacred was how much I had to enter into remembering in ways Mm. that I didn't even 
plan to. Like I started remembering stories of my childhood or reflecting on experiences I'd had, you know, as a middle schooler or as a high schooler and in college or as a single woman and getting married, like all these different seasons of my own life started like almost like playing back to me. And it was this really beautiful experience because now I could look back as an adult and see myself and have compassion for myself or have compassion Mm -hmm. for my parents or other people in my story that I at the time, you're just living life. You're not thinking about it outside in a reflective kind of way. As a kid, you're not thinking of your parents as a whole person, right? You're just thinking they're my mom or dad or aunt or uncle or grandma or grandpa. So that was just like a really interesting and surprising journey as I was kind of writing those reflections in the book. My professional background was journalism. That's what I studied My husband and I went to college together. We got married quite young. Now I'm like, oh, my word, as a parent. (laughs) And I'm like, wow. But it's been a real delight and joy to grow together. And really grateful that we've been on the same trajectory. And we've kind of grown alongside each other in our faith journeys and just how we are experiencing the world. And I feel very grateful for that. And then as we got a little older, we decided we wanted to grow our family and we both kind of kept feeling a tug toward adoption. Really unexplainably, inexplicably, like I didn't, I didn't know why um, I was dreaming about it and why he was bringing it up. And we just, it didn't really make sense. And then I was a reporter for a newspaper And I was at a networking event and I heard this man talk about how he turned his childhood home into this nonprofit kind of children's home orphanage situation where it was state run in his country and kids weren't always getting the best care that they needed. And so he kind of stepped in and... He had inherited his home when his father had died as the eldest son. So he wanted to give that to God. And that's what he felt like God was calling him to do. And Anyway, it was like, gosh, I'm feeling this tug toward adoption. And I started talking to him. And a very, very, very long story short, my husband and I ended up going to Nigeria, which is his home country. And... We worked with him and with the nonprofit there and with the government, and we adopted our son, who was a year old, and he is Joseph, and he is so, so wonderful, and we've journeyed with him through the beautiful, but also the deeply hard, mm-hmm. uh, just of like, adoption comes from from hard things and from trauma, and learned a lot listening and learning from adult adoptees and their experiences. So that's our that's yeah. how our first son joined our family. So Joseph was your first child. Your first it, you brought him home from Nigeria when he was 1 and you all had not been parents before that. No. So we wow. were just like deep in like all of a sudden like oh we're in like instant parents, you know. And it was a long um process and we traveled back and forth and I ended up 
like living in Nigeria for a couple months. And maybe you're like me, you want to be in control. <laughs> but there's so many situations when you're going through something like this that you are not in control at all. And you have to trust that I'm just going to keep making that next step and trust that it's going to work out and that God is with us and with him and and we can trust that whatever happens that God is with us and that was really hard at times but it was also really beautiful so a lot of things that we look back on and we're like wow we couldn't have done that but God somehow orchestrated places for us to stay and people for us to meet and the airport at just the right time that we're like oh my gosh you can, can stay with us and I don't know just it was wild I'm sure you could write your own book or your own podcast on just that individual story. Like you said before, when we were talking, like I could talk for forever about it, but that's so beautiful. So who came next in kiddo order? Yes. So then Asher joined our family and I gave birth to Asher. And then we had a newborn that was wonderful and very colicky and he had a dairy allergy and I didn't know. And so he wasn't feeling well. And then we had this no. toddler that was having his own experiences of still getting used to being um, where he was. And so we had a lot going on and it was pretty overwhelming in that season. And I look back now and we had moved to a small town for my husband to become a pastor. So we were away from family in kind of a a community where everybody already kind of knew each other and they were kind of Mm. tight-knit and it was kind of, I didn't always feel like I fit in there. And I think looking back now, I probably had some postpartum depression that was just never diagnosed. Yeah. So I have a lot of empathy and compassion for myself in that season. And just like, we all got through it. (laughs) You know, we all got through it together. But I wish that I would have known or that somebody in my life would have known and would have come alongside us. So so I hope that now when I see parents and kind of the trenches that I can call that out and be a space for them to make sure they're taking care of themselves as they're taking care of others. I think that's what drew me to liturgies for parents and to light their way, specifically the breath prayers that you do, Kayla, are so I think they are kind of a lifeline for parents who think there's a myriad of resources out there for parents, Mm -hmm. but all I really know is how to do the very next thing. And that might just be take a breath. So I, yeah, you have met a need for sure. I have five-year-old twins and when they were babies, when they were babies, we kind of as a joke, I don't know that I would like offer this as parenting advice unless you needed some levity and everyone needs that. But we would say our like hashtag, our like thing my husband and I would say to each other is, well, that could have been way worse. Yeah. And that was like our, (laughs) that was our mantra in 2018. Is that right? Yeah. Everything we did, well, that could have been way worse. And it would just make us laugh. And it was always true. Yes, that is a great perspective shift, truly. That's awesome. Okay, so you've already touched on this a little bit, but I I think a lot about how hard and beautiful things go together. Mm-hmm. Often the hard is actually the most beautiful, maybe not in the moment, or talking about holding those things, things like joy and grief at the same time. So I just wonder in that season if you could think through and talk a little bit about 
how did grief and joy coexist for you and your husband when you were in those trenches of parenting Joseph and Asher when they were really little? Yeah. Gosh, that's such a good question. And I think you are so right. And there's so much wisdom and acknowledging that it's not just one thing in our lives. We're not just experiencing the hard. We're not just experiencing the beautiful. They exist together. And there's not these kind of dualities that we sometimes start to think there are in life or in a life of following Jesus. You know, like we think maybe mm-hmm. things are going to be one way or the other. And there's it's just this interweaving of both and when we have we could be in a hard season of parenting and also have beautiful glimmers of delight, right? And beautiful mm-hmm. experiences of of joy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so good to pay attention to that and to take a breath and name right now there is so much difficult or so much grief or so much pain or whatever it is that you're experiencing and then say, and also where are there those little glimmers and sometimes they're very little and we really have to search them out and this is not to say like we should have you know toxic positivity or anything like that but just really opening our spiritual eyes and ears to what's going on that that shows us that tiny glimmer of hope and of joy and that reminder that God is with us even in those rough seasons yeah yeah Okay, so tell us more about your, you have two other kiddos we haven't heard about. So let's hear about them. That's right. This is a fun story. I was actually telling a friend recently. She was asking, wait, how how did that work out? Like, how did this this kind of all go together, this puzzle of your family? And I'm like, oh, like, I just kind of assume everyone knows. <laughs> but so when we adopted Joseph, we knew that we were going to adopt again, that adopting once was, was we were kind of committing to adopting again uh, because we didn't want him to to be the only child in our family that had experienced that and joined our family in that way. Uh, my husband and I are white and my son is Nigerian, so he's obviously black. And so we wanted to um, make sure he wasn't the only black child in our family. A lot of people come to adoption from a lot of different experiences but we had not walked a path of infertility and so we um we just kind of felt like we wanted to be ready with a home study so you get a home study when you've adopted um just kind of you do all this paperwork and all these meetings with a social worker and you go through all these different things um to kind of be approved to adopt for a certain age group or whatever it is And we just thought, we're going to get our home study ready. We're not going to connect with any sort of agency or connect like with, um, you know, adopting a newborn baby or anything like that. We're just going to be available. That's just kind of what what we felt like. We just want to be on call. Um, And so we did that. And then I got connected with a, a nonprofit organization that placed children that, for whatever reason, they maybe had a medical need or disability and and we just kept finding like we we weren't equipped to deal and to parent so many of these kiddos and i just thought gosh we're 
we're waiting and we're available and we're ready and like what's gonna happen you know we were just waiting and waiting and we wanted to keep growing our family and have our kids somewhat close in age so we got pregnant with what would be my son Abram and we were still like waiting we were still home steady ready we were still wondering and we were getting closer and closer to Abram being born and we he was due in April and so we thought if we don't hear anything by January 1st we're gonna have to pull out our home study and wait um maybe we didn't we didn't follow God the way we were thinking we were following God maybe we got this kind of messed up and feeling a little discouraged but we just kind of set that time for ourselves and then a couple weeks before Christmas we got an email pinged about a little girl that was two weeks old and she had down syndrome and she was in something called cradle care which was kind of this like private foster care from the hospital waiting we had 24 hours to say if we were interested and we talked to other parents that have um, adopted kiddos with down syndrome and talked to our family members and just kind of reflected and filled out kind of a form of of why we we thought we might be interested and the next day we got a call and said you have a daughter and we went and spent christmas in florida where she was born and yeah we were home by january 1st and it was wild (laughs) wow so that means at the next phase of your parenting journey was you had you had two newborns yes. like basically yes. two babies yes. one yep. with special needs mm-hmm. and one you know then you are i'm just thinking about you as a woman as the woman yep. who's given birth to so yes. you had post the, the experience of postpartum and two babies and one with special needs what were you thinking and feeling at that time? Yeah. You know what is so wild is they were both easygoing babies. And uh, my daughter, Eliza, was so easygoing that I would, like, wake her up in the middle of the night to, like, make sure she was okay and, like, feed her because she just was, like, so content. And she still is, like, so content. And then cool. my my son, Abram, was just, like, a very easygoing, happy baby after I had had a baby that was, like, really gave me a run for my money. I think we were prepared. So I actually look back on that time. And of course, you know, it was wild and chaotic. But I have really sweet memories of that time. And they were kind of these like four months apart, unofficial twins. Mm-hmm. And I just like have pictures of my husband having like a, a baby carrier around each arm just walking through. And we have these like a kindergartner and a preschooler. And um it was wild, but it was really sweet, and I feel really grateful. And I felt a lot more equipped, and I knew myself more, and mm-hmm. I knew, like, I talked to my doctor, mm-hmm. and I went on some medication knowing that um, I, I, that I think I had postpartum the first time. And so it was just, like, a much um, smoother kind of experience with babies, kind of that that second yeah. round. Mm-hmm. That's, I love it. You know, since I've had twins, I can say this, and that is that it is easier the second time, even if it's more complicated the second time. Mm-hmm. I, 
I wouldn't even say our oldest daughter was actually a difficult baby. I think she mm-hmm. was. I think I was the problem. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, and that's like we put so much expectations on ourselves. Um, that's so real. So real. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's what a beautiful picture of how you guys all came together. How did you care for yourself during that season? Or did you? Yeah, I know. Well, I think, you know, part of it was just knowing and caring for like my my mental health in that way and my physical health and, and being vulnerable and talking to my doctor. That mm. that was huge. I also think I realized that like getting outside, getting in the sun was super helpful for me. So spending a lot of time outside with the kids, even if it was just in the backyard or like loading them all up in the baby carriers and the stroller. So like going to the park, I think that was huge. I think um, that was a time that I was blogging a lot. That was kind of in like the heyday of blogging. And so connecting, Mm -hmm. writing my way through those experiences, sharing, um, that was really helpful on like a spiritual and emotional level of just having that time where I was still working. I was still podcasting, even though it was like from home and like in the basement, remembering myself and not losing myself and, and all of this and just like being gracious with myself. Like it contained multitude. Like I, I am a friend. I am a neighbor. I, I am a child of God. I am, I am all of these different things. I'm a writer. I'm, I'm not only a mother, and um, I think that was helpful for me. I'm so glad you said that because I know a lot of the people that listen to the podcast are the ones that give me feedback are new moms or like in the season of building their family in some way, even if it's just thinking about building their family. Yeah, yeah. So that's just great wisdom and encouragement for them. Last night when I was looking at one of the chapters or sections of your new book, Kayla, I was reading about the reflection when you were talking about adoption proceedings and like Mm -hmm. feeling the court bench like under you and like that physical sense of that. And this you I'm reading a quote that you said because I loved it. But you said every broken and beautiful moment in our parenting is a sacred invitation to remember our commitment to our kids, our children, to raise them in light of all that is true and just and beautiful in the woven together family of God. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And you just kind of shared how your family initially came together. And so I just, I just wonder if you could speak a little bit about how that season of mothering and building your family impacted your writing. And led you maybe to liturgies and breath prayers? How did that all intersect? Yeah, I think that's that's something that we get as a gift as as we move through a season and transition into a new season. And then we're able to look back. We kind of are able to look back with, with new eyes and mm-hmm. realize, oh my gosh, God was with me all along. Or I never thought that I would make it through that time and yet I did and God was with me or there were people alongside me or like I'm really proud of myself for persevering or whatever it is I think that's such a gift that we have and we don't realize it in real time it's a gift that comes later (laughs) yeah I look back and I realize that 
writing through all of that helped me process what was going on. And we all have different ways that we process. My husband's very much a verbal processor. So, you know, he'll definitely be like talking me through what's going on. And for me, it's, you know, late at night on the keyboards, you know, clicking mm. and clacking away and and being able to kind of enter into that sacred time, even the house is a mess, even if there's so many other things that need to be done. Um, I feel like God, that God meets me on, on the keyboard in some way and helps me process and just have kind of new eyes to pay attention to where God is in my life, in my family, in my home, in my work. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, at our church, we use a lot of liturgies in our worship. Um, and so I wonder for you, when did liturgies and the church calendar become a part of your faith or has it been from, you know, growing up? Yeah, that, that's such a good question. So I grew up Presbyterian and so I had some of those rhythms, but I never really paid a lot of attention. It just was, you know, it just was mm -hmm. that we always said the Lord's prayers it just was that different colors kind of showed up in the church sanctuary to symbolize like ordinary time or Advent or Lent, you know, and I didn't really think much of it. And then as I got older, you know, I, I married a son of a Baptist pastor that did not really follow any sort of liturgy. And then mm -hmm. we went to all sorts of different types of churches and denominations and backgrounds. And I experienced a lot of beauty. I experienced a lot of like, well, I think I might do something different, you know? So it's like borrowing mm -hmm. the beautiful and kind of taking what you need and, and maybe leaving the rest. And then it was around 2019, my daughter, Eliza, the one that has Down syndrome, she has a lot of medical needs and she got very, very sick and she was in the hospital in the PICU and she was on life support. And it was one of the hardest things I've, I've ever gone through. And there was nothing I could do to muscle through and make it better. There was nothing I could give as a parent. There was no one I could talk to as a doctor to fix the situation. It was simply waiting. And she was in such a thin space and it was so scary. And our three boys were at home and we were just depleted. One of us was always in the hospital and the other one was at home. And it was just so, so hard. And people kept saying, I'm praying for you. And I kept feeling like I can't pray at all. Like I have mm. no idea what to pray and just feeling so sad and, and just so like, flat out. Like I didn't have any more to give. And I wondered where, where God was in, in all of this as my baby girl was just being kept alive by a hundred different beeping machines. And like, we couldn't even move her body to like hold her hand because she was so fragile and it was mm. so scary. And when we were, I was home with the boys and my husband was at the, the hospital one day and I opened up my mailbox and there was a little short book of prayers, written prayers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And I brought it back to the hospital with me. And I'm like, I don't have any words, but I can pray some somebody else's word. I can make their words my own. And that helps tether me and keep me rooted mm -hmm. in a situation that felt like 
so out of control and so scary. And, and I know so many people have gone through hard times and their child hasn't come home with them. And Eliza did. Eliza got better. And she has a lot of medical needs and a lot of disabilities. And it hasn't always been easy for her or for us. But those, those words to borrow and make my own were so powerful to me that I started writing my own prayers and sharing them. And other people started being like, okay, like, this is something for me to hold on to, too. Or you're putting words to something that I didn't, that I felt, that I hadn't really, like, verbalized or, or known even. And so it kind of became like a, a spiritual practice for me and then also kind of like a ministry. So that's kind of how that, that started. So beautiful. I just read Prayer in the Night by Tish Harrison Warren. And she talks all about how liturgies anchor us, not just to, they anchor us to God's story, like what you were talking about, like that sense of being tethered, but also to all the people of God who have gone before us, who have had children in the hospital, who have lost a, a sibling, who have been through trauma, who um, have experienced violence. And so when we pray these words that have sort of gone before us, it's like, I am a part of God's story and I'm safe and that makes me think of kind of that great cloud of witnesses, right? And I think sometimes when we're going through something that feels so big or maybe we feel so alone, it's so comforting to know like somebody has prayed this. Somebody might be praying this right now and somebody's going to pray this again. And so it is like I'm part of something bigger than myself and there's more mm -hmm. than what we can see and what we can understand and we can enter into this mystery and that's, that's such a comfort for me, too. Yeah, yeah. How is every season sacred, the natural evolution of what you've been doing over the years? Yeah. So I've kind of started to enter into these, these rhythms, paying attention to the natural seasons, right? So I live in the Midwest, mm -hmm. and we have four very distinct seasons. And thinking about that, thinking about how in the church calendar— we have these different seasons that kind of root us in faith, root us in the life of Christ. And so starting to reflect on all of the different ways that that seasons come and go, there are times of transition, and yet in all of it, God is with us. And that all of those different moments, all of those different times of our lives, experiences of, of parenting, just living as as neighbors and as friends, those can all be sacred if we take the time to to pay attention and to see where God is in all of it. And so I created every season sacred kind of as this outpouring of of reflection and in my own life that I hope other parents can can turn to and borrow and enter into those kind of unforced rhythms, right? Those those moments where we're just kind of like this is our real life. We are going to McDonald's and then somebody has dance or somebody has soccer or, you know, like your older kids are, are maybe they have a first job or they're learning to drive. And it's just like chaos. Right. But how can we root ourselves and, and remember that anchor in all of it? And how can 
how can we experience God in all things as ourselves and also connected as a family? So every season sacred, I hope, is an invitation for people in whatever stage of parenting they're in to connect with themselves, to connect with God, to connect mm-hmm. with their kids, and then kind of connect with their outside community, right? Like enter into what are your values and how are you living into them right now? So there's there's split up into four seasons. And then each of those seasons has a reflection for every week of the year. And they're not like dated at all. You can grab one and then, you know, not go to another one for weeks and weeks when I feel like this has been an outpouring of, of my actual life. And I and I hope that there are things in here that kind of are meaningful to parents and their actual lives that kind of invite you into a little bit more of a contemplative faith, even in the chaos of real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it because also it's it's more like a tool rather than a book I have to pick up and read start to finish, which, yes. you know fits seamlessly into the life of having <laughs> children in your yeah. world. I'm wondering how how do you and your husband incorporate some of this like in a practical way in your home? Yeah. Well, each, you know, I feel like there are different themes that come up in the different seasons. And so I was thinking, what are the kind of struggles or joys that we have in our actual life? And so it's like summer there's quality time and then there's too much quality time and then there's boredom or then there's, you know, like what happens when a parent loses their temper? What happens when that doesn't happen at my house? Oh yeah. No, never, 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 (laughs) never. You know? So I try to like bring in those themes that we actually live into and experience every day and think about like, what are the things that I'm talking about? to my kids about at bedtime when of course that's when their big questions come up which I'm like exhausted and then they're like why is there war and I'm like what is life this is like really pulling in our actual lives and putting that on the paper but like we have we have really tried to have those open-ended questions with our kids and sometimes we think it has to be this deep family devotion time that's every day every you know a certain um day and time and you do these certain things but it's like really having open-ended conversations in the minivan or even incorporating like when they get home from school do you say like did you have a good day or did you do you say like when was the time that you felt really seen by god today like changing the type of language that that we use and um I try to do that and and remember to do that and kind of bring in that journalistic background that I have where we're we're doing open-ended questions and connecting with each other um kind of in a deeper way I'm curious how do you do that with Eliza with her special needs how do you cater this yeah incorporating her and bringing her into that family rhythm yeah Um, Well, she's always with us, you know, and and Eliza, she doesn't speak. She has quite a lot of physical disabilities, so she is kind of learning to walk with a walker Mm and assistance right now, but always just including her, including her. She, even though she uses a G-tube in her tummy to eat, 
she still sits right next to us. She's such an important part of our family, just in our rhythms, you know? It's always, the kids know, like, oh, go get Eliza's wheelchair, or, oh, guys, make sure that when you leave that room, you tell me so we can bring Eliza in, or, you know, she's just, she's just part of who we are, and our family Mm -hmm. would be so different without her, and so I think it's, it's learning new ways. Like we can communicate in ways that are nonverbal, you know, like she can, she lets us know things, (laughs) even if we're not using words. And I think we experience a lot of growth and and empathy and compassion, Mm -hmm. but also Eliza shows me a lot about God. Like she is so forgiving. Sometimes I, I wonder, am I, am I enough for her? Or, you know, I do something and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Eliza, you know. And she's just so gracious. And she extends such a love of God. And she shows me Jesus in ways that I wouldn't have experienced if I wasn't her parent. So, yeah. As we start to wrap up a little bit, I have a few more things that honestly are kind of practical questions I'm curious but I also think people will want to know okay and that is how do you juggle all of this and then find time to write and publish books yeah Um, well I'm in a new kind of season of life now where all of my kids are in school so that definitely like Mm. gives me more margin um, to to work and to enter into this um, my husband's a, a great partner and um, definitely gives me space. Like we're both parenting, co-parenting together all the time, you know. And mm-hmm. um, so that has been very, you know, empowering. Like I'm not just expected to do every single thing alone with the kids and with the house and then work, you know. So it's a mm-hmm. it's a give and take. And sometimes he, you know, needs needs more time for his work and his ministry. And, you know, like last summer I was writing a book and he was able to work from home more and help with the kids a little bit more during the day and so it's very much a kind of give and take and there have been seasons where I gotten barely any writing done and and it's really Mm -hmm. easy to to beat myself up like I have a newsletter that I want to spend more time in but right now I don't have that margin because I have four kids and there's a lot going on and we're doing other things and and that's okay, you know? And I think we're always going to have to give ourselves a lot of, of grace because there's so much that maybe we want to do and we just can't. And knowing that kind of where where our needs are, where we're needed, that is, that is wholly important work too, even if it's unseen. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, thank you for saying that, yeah. What do you hope for when you dream about future work? I just, I feel so grateful that I have been able to write and that people have felt seen by that writing. And that just feels like such a gift. And I'm going to do it as long as as God lets me. <laughs> that mm-hmm. That's really the deepest. The hope of my heart is that I can continue, you know, talking to people like you and hearing how they have experienced God in their actual lives and being able to listen to so many different perspectives and stories and then write out of that kind of wellspring 
Um, and so that's that's my greatest hope is that somehow I will still be able to to get the gift of stewarding this. Oh, I love I love how you said that. Kayla, what you've done so far has blessed me and I know blessed a lot of people. When I was thinking about this episode and praying about it, truly, I was like, I, the, the whole point of all of this is that our conversation and your work would go out into the world and bless people and bring people into the kingdom of God to make them feel loved and seen, like you said. So that's my prayer even for putting this episode out in the world. So thank you so much. Okay, I want to ask you one like fun thing because that's what you do at the end of a podcast, right? <laughs> What's something that you're learning this summer, even if it's like a new hobby or a new fun, like something you're enjoying? Maybe it's pickleball. I don't know. You know what? We we have been playing a little pickleball in our back. I got a, a net from Aldi of all places. Like we got a little yeah, set. And my my kids, you know, we've had to take breaks because it started to get a little too competitive. But that's funny. We have been playing a little pickleball. But no, nice. some, Something that I've been learning and I'm like telling everybody about it because I find it so helpful, especially in a season of life that there's a lot going on. But I I love to read at night and I've always been mm. a paper person. Like I like to read my books in actual book form. Mm. But I recently did something I never thought I would do and I got a Kindle and it Ooh. has revolutionized my reading. I feel like I'm reading so much faster <clears throat> I, I'm able to throw it in my bag so much more and I'm saving a lot of money because I've been using the Libby app and using yeah. my local library and I just like put like a hundred books on hold and then it's like they just show up and it's incredible and I have really enjoyed it. Cool. I, I literally just got a Kindle too and I'm oh, using yeah. the Libby app and... I feel like I'm telling our local library all the books that I want them to get, though. There's like, yes. I'll see books that are like coming. I'm like, I, I want that. I'm putting holds on books that the library doesn't even own yet. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm like just, always Googling like what new books are coming out and then like going and trying to like notify me when this comes in or put this on hold. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. That's actually how I was reading every season sacred as I oh, had it. Was able to get it sent to my Kindle as like a doc, and then I could read okay. it. In that. So it's not like oh my it's not quite well, as I formatted can, as I it probably will not be. Wait until you get to hold it in your hands yeah. because I have like one copy from the printer, and it is like to light their way, but bigger. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. it is robust, and but it has that like beautiful feeling. And I didn't design it, so I feel like I can really like talk about how beautiful it is without like. Yeah. bragging on myself but the design team really incorporated so many beautiful design elements and and kind of made this dream come to life and I I can't wait for you to actually like get to experience it like in a tangible way so yeah me too me too I have to light their way on like a table in the entryway of our home and my daughter this morning I was like brushing her hair and I was telling her like I'm talking to the the lady today that wrote that book she's like really she thought it was a really a really big deal, so oh, <laughs> because so the book is in our house, you know. Yeah. So. Anyway, Aww, so. Tell her that that made my day, and then I say yeah. hi. You can order both of Kayla's beautiful books, Every Season Sacred, and To Light Their Way, anywhere books are sold. And I've got links 
both to the books and all of Kayla's beautiful content, the Liturgies for Parents podcast and Instagram account. All of that's in the show notes or DM me and I will send you a link directly. And with that, I hope you'll tune in next week. We're going to be talking about the spaces we occupy and looking for where in scripture God talks to us about the physical spaces where he meets us and what we have to learn through his word and through our own experiences in those spaces. So hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week.